Hello and welcome to another episode of Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie, brought to you by Killer Podcasts and Evergreen Podcasts Network. I'm the titular Sean. And I'm the very titular Carrie. It's the show that takes you inside the unbelievable, the unexplainable, the macabre, and the bizarre and tries to find an answer. Hello, Caroline. Hi. Listener, we are taking a break from our regularly scheduled programming while we get an extra special little dollop of true crime ready for you for next week. Um, so while we dot our I's and cross our T's. Are those the letters that go with those things? Yeah. Yes. Well, we do that. Well, we do all that. Uh, we just wanted to check in and make sure you all didn't get lonely over here on the Ain't It Scary feed. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Um, so, Carrie, let's just talk. Uh, let's let's just have a round table discussion, a, a square table discussion, rectangle table discussion. A line. Oh, it's a line. Two it's just people. Between the two of us. <laughs> um, and let's just talk some spooky stuff. Well, that's my favorite thing to do, Sean. I know it. So we've been uh, we've enjoyed some horror themed media recently, as always. As always, um, I don't know not not as much as people might expect from you know your whole general vibe. I guess that's fair. Yeah, like, like w- the West Wing is is getting a lot of TV time over here. That's not particularly spooky. Right. Well, I make a a certain point to watch a lot of spooky, like in September, October, but. Oftentimes, I just want to mellow out at the end of the day. Being spooky 24-7 is tiring. It's a hard job, but somebody's got to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Carrie, we recently saw Bones and All. We did. A much uh, hyped, much touted uh, indie flick. Was it hyped? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> the, I, I was just I was surprised there were so many named people in it. So I was like, oh, this was a thing. There was some Oscar buzz around it. Um, See, that's weird to me. <laughs> yeah, well, because of the performances. Stars Timothée Chalamet and Mark Rylance. Uh, Timothée has um, been nominated for an Oscar. And I think just the one so far. He's, he's starring in the Dune movies. He's it, a big up-and-comer. And he was good in this. Yeah, and uh, Mark Rylance is a fabulous actor, very famous uh, theater actor as well, and he won, um, he won an Oscar for that Spielberg spy movie, I think. Bridge of Spies. Yeah, I think he did win. Somebody won an for Oscar that. for Bridge of Spies. Well, Mark Rylance is very good. He was great in this. He was weird. Yes. Yeah, so this, uh, for anyone who's not familiar, this movie, Bones and All, it's based on a novel, apparently, as well. Um, It's about, it starts with a a girl, and she apparently um, has a compulsion to eat people. Yeah, there's a really effective opening where, like, all we know, I I truly didn't know anything about this movie. Oh, I did. Uh, So all you know at the beginning is, like, her dad's really protective. They seem to have moved around a lot. He's afraid of something. He doesn't let her hang out with other girls, but she sneaks out to go and go to a sleepover. Pretty innocent. Mm -hmm. And then the girl she's, like, cuddling up next to to go to sleep wakes up screaming as she's chewing on her finger. Yeah. I mean, it's brutal and it's horrifying. And this is, like, I don't know, she's, like, 18 or so. Um, It's really shown as... A compulsion and there's sort of this unfolding mythology as the first part of the film goes on where you see that there's a lot of these sort of cannibal people yeah, not because they're ch- necessarily choosing to eat people but because their body is telling them they need to eat people it's and there's a supernatural element because they can like they have enhanced senses of smell and they can smell each other they can smell other eaters yeah one thing that's very interesting is that um, you know, the, the leads who have this 
compulsion, I guess you can call it, um, whenever they they smell something interesting, whether it's another one of these compulsive people or whether it's like a really yummy person in particular, they kind of like their eyes go far off and they sort of stretch their necks out and they're sniffing in the air like a dog. And it is very primal. And so it seems to be not necessarily super... I don't know if I'd call it supernatural, but but almost like a sixth sense that these people are born with, or or like a an extra requirement. Right, and the compulsion is uh, portrayed as being so strong that, like, when she finally meets her, this but huge spoiler. Skip ahead a couple of minutes if you would like to watch this movie unspoiled. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> she she goes and visits her mother when she finds out her mother's alive. Yeah, which was an annoying scene. It's it's like your mother. Oh, she's not she's not around anymore, or something like that. And then a couple minutes later, it's like she's I never said she died. Yeah, she's not around in the head, don't you know? Um, and it turns out the mother's at a mental institution, and she has eaten her own hands off, and then tries to eat her daughter. So. It's a really strong compulsion, but I don't think the movie does enough work to separate it from just being a serial killer. Because, like... Well, I mean, I think... I don't know if it's the movie not doing that work. I think that that's part of what the movie is exploring. Like, just because they're compelled doesn't make them any different than a serial killer who feels compelled to kill. And is what they're doing any less awful or disgusting because their body is supposedly... Uh, telling them to do it. Well, then that's what I say again, what I said then, then you are basically a serial killer and you need to seek help or else you need to get off the planet. So you stop uh, uh, screwing it up for the rest of us. Right. Um, Yeah. So, so the performances were good. You know, we got Timothy, we got, I know his name's Timothy, but I like saying Timothy. This was the first Timothy that I'd ever (laughs) seen. I didn't see the the movie where he fucks the peach. I didn't see Dune. (laughs) Yeah. Does he fuck a peach in Dune? No. No, it's the other one. Okay. All right. Thoughts. So. <laughs> um. Yeah. And then there's there's Mark Rylance. We have Michael Stuhlbarg, who's one of our favorite character oh, actors. Oh, and Stuhlbarg is great in this because he appears to know what movie he's in. He's like a like a snarling hillbilly yes. stereotype in the swamp, eating people. Yes. And then I do not know the the lead gal's name. Um. She's she's like a you know just emerging actress, and I think she did a good job, not as compelling as Rylance or Chalamet. Timothy. Timothy. Yeah. No, he was super super likable. He seemed cool. I mean the the, the mu- movie was beautifully shot. Um, it had some really nice set pieces and locations. Um, you know, it just it it, it didn't necessarily grab me but i said to you after we watched it it's it's i don't know if i necessarily like liked it a lot there are things i like about it but i it's certainly a movie that i'm going to be thinking about yeah i'll think about it a lot i'm not sure i'll enjoy thinking about it very much (laughs) I, i just think when a movie movies don't always have to be fun all the time this wasn't very fun it was like pretty dour it was pretty somber yes somber dour gross yeah but not gross and like weirdly i feel like they held back on the gore too oh, much it, it felt icky like there was watching, a lot of blood yeah and it was icky in almost the same way as w- watching henry portrait of a serial killer mm-hmm. where you're like oh this is just icky and gross that movie's not super gory but, but it i think makes by you feel holding sick. i think by holding back on some of the gore that they could have done they're almost letting their 
protagonists off the hook because we don't see them engaging in that disgusting act of eating flesh as much as we we hear it or we know that they're doing it, but we don't necessarily see them actually putting face to skin and and, and chewing. Like you, you see it in the first scene and it's very effective because, you know, you think about your own fingers and apparently um, our our mouths, anyone's mouth is is strong enough to just bite off one of their own fingers, yep. but your brain tells you not to do it. This is what TikTok has told you. I don't know that we've confirmed no, this, this apart is from true. TikTok, have we? No, this is true. And, you know, if you're not biting into a bone, right, if you're biting just into cartilage and stuff, it's pretty much the same as biting into a baby carrot. Well, sure, but what? It, but, but your finger's mostly bone. Right, but you can get through the knuckles and stuff. What I'm saying is, it's it's ourselves, it's our instinctual primeval self that is telling us you can't bite your own finger off. So when you see someone doing it in a movie and it's like very visceral, it, it really gets you because it's like, oh, it's not that hard to bite a finger off and it's awful to see it. But I think after that, they really dance around the gore so much that we don't get that visceral sense of what these characters are doing. Yeah. Like the, the grossness of it, the horror of it. It's it's horrible for them, but they seem mostly kind of emo about it. So it's a very <laughs> it's a very emo movie. And it's like, well, don't I think changing nothing else but adding in more gore. And this is, you know, I wouldn't necessarily always say this about any horror movie. I think most horror movies do too much. But I think changing nothing else and adding in more gore, I think would hit harder. I actually wish it was a werewolf movie because then I wouldn't feel so much like I was just watching a teen romance between serial murderers. Have you seen Ginger Snaps? Yes. It, so that's kind of... That's a fun movie. <laughs> that's fun and it's also, it deals with that. There, there's a metaphorical thing, right? Of like, this girl is going through puberty and she's going through the werewolf thing and which is worse, you know? Like everything, it reminds me of a great swamp thing, which uh, <laughs> uh, has periods and werewolves involved anyway swamp thing um but yeah it, i mean it gets into that disgust you see this character start to change as they're doing this i think it you know it, ginger snaps very much an indie film um very much of the time which i think was like 2000 2001 but very effective and also pacey it just it moves which well, this is movie my did favorite not move. dawson's creek character no question <sighs> okay joshua jackson <laughs> So uh, if anyone wants to see a, a, an indie werewolf movie uh, from like a lady's perspective, go watch Ginger Snaps. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and I guess watch Bones and All just for that part where Mark Rylance pulls on the uh, uh, long hair. Oh my God, he is rope. unhinged in it's this movie. Strong. Yeah, but unhinged in, he's not doing like a Jared Leto Joker thing. Like he's unhinged in like a, psychologically what the fuck kind of way in in the room we were in he was compared to a big will forte energy which is a specific kind of unhinged right it's like that kind of creepy like out of a tim and eric or tim robinson yes. sketch yes he was like a character in one of those but nothing funny about him nothing deadly serious yeah so yeah and if you want to see him do a completely different role whatsoever but you're interested in history um there's a mini series 
I saw it on Amazon. Um, it's like a PBS thing called Wolf Hall, and it's uh, it surrounds the Henry VIII era and all the Anne Boleyn stuff, which we've talked about on here before. And he's giving a very normal, like British TV performance in that. So he has a lot, a lot of range. Um, and this was a very strange film. And, I'll, and again, I'll be thinking about it a lot, but I just don't know if I loved it. And what did the title refer to, Carrie? Oh, well, this is also a spoiler, but if you're here, you're family. So the bones and all is like a legend in this sort of compulsive cannibal mythology where, um, you know, it's like, have you done the bones and all? You know, like, have you popped your cherry? It's very That's, much that vibe. Stuhlbarg is basically stroking himself as he <laughs> says it. <It's> like <laughs> and basically, bones and all is just eating an entire body, bones and all. So usually, uh, the conceit is that these people just eat flesh. Um, but like, if you've done the bones and all, that's a real rush. And they meet one guy who just likes eating people and they're really like grossed out. They're yeah. really grossed out by him, but it's like, you guys technically also just kind of like eating people. I mean, they have to like it, you know, they, they do get something out of it. So yeah, it's, it'll make you think. Yeah. It made me think I'd like to be watching a different movie. Anyway. <laughs> Um, this vaguely, this is, this is tangentially horror related, and I just wonder if any of our listeners have also been playing Diablo 4. Mm, Devil Quattro. Yeah, which I'm playing on the PlayStation 5. Um, but hey, I'm, well, I'll tell you on our, if you're a member of our exclusive Patreon Discord, uh, get at me and let's uh, exchange uh, gamer tags. We can play some Diablo. Uh, but Carrie, what's your impression, um... Aesthetic wise of, of Diablo 4. It, it's kind of Catholic horror. It's a lot of bones, a lot of dirt. Definitely. A lot of portals to things. Yeah, a lot of um a lot of locations. All the locations have names like the defiled ossuary. Yeah. You know, the the pits of decay. Mm-hmm. Um, these are the kinds of places that you go. Um, and it'll be like, go to the pits of decay and and kill the two defiled paladins. Sure, why not? Sure, I will. I mean, I need more of a story and then some Wait, in my not video hear, games. Did you not hear the thing about the Defiled Paladins? Uh, I guess. But, you know, uh, it's much more of like a multiplayer online platform kind of game, right? Well, um, yeah, it's not a platformer. But yeah, it's like a, it's like a, you get in, get in with your buddies and uh, clear some dungeons out with your fantasy boys. Right. So, you know, that's not as much my thing. Maybe it would be if it was more heavily themed. I do want to still try Dead by Daylight, which I feel like might be more up my alley mm. in that same sort of multiplayer sense. Um, but it's cool to look at. And you created a character in it called Scaroline. Yeah. And you're always telling me how you've updated her um, scariness. Yeah, Scaroline had a whole, she had 11, she had 10 bone boys. And a golem, Skeletons. And, and a golem at one point. Uh, now she's traded all those guys in because now she just boils your blood inside of your body and then shoots it at you as a spear. Yeah, obviously. So and uh, she's a necromancer. She's a necromancer. Of course, she is. Yeah. So that's a lot of fun. I like being. I like it when you say, you know, what do you want her to be holding? And I could be like the skull or the crystal. Yes, yeah. that's my enjoyment of the game. Surprised you went with the skull over the crystal, but oh, it was sort of an alas, poor Yorick vibe. Well, what can you do? Um, so that is, I guess, all on Diablo 4. It's not really horror, but I think it's horror adjacent. 
there's enough defilings to fill a horror movie for sure. Dark fantasy. Mm. Uh, we've fallen off. The, the West Wing kicked it off its perch, but for a while, Carrie, we were on a recent binge, a tear through the series True Blood. Well, I had never seen it. I mean, I'd seen a chunk of the first season, but I had never really sat down to watch it. And I think there was so so much hype about it when it first came out. And then when I sat down to watch but, it, I was like, this is well, but cheesy. The, but the hype was that it was cheesy, right? That it was like... Um, you know, the, 2009 was a weird time. 2008, 2009. Like, things were prestige that weren't really prestige, if you get what I mean. Like, this is before Breaking Bad, no? Uh, yeah, but, but I just So, think- things are still... People are still saying things are awesome because they have good, like, production design and acting, even if everything else is just ridiculous. Right, but I think True Blood is awesome for the way it revels in its trashiness. Yes, and I think coming back to it, giving it another shot, and appreciating it on that level made it a much more enjoyable experience for me. I wasn't expecting it to be this, like, incredible show that's better than Buffy, um, which is my favorite show, but kind of just going like, all right, well... Let's turn off our brains for a little bit and watch some hot people be vampires and do their thing. At the time that it was on, comparing it to like the, at the time, Uber success of the early Uber success of Twilight and stuff, it was just like, nope. Yeah. Well, this is what vampires are, though. It should be, it should be people killing and, and having sex but, with each other. I mean, other their the vampires time. are weird, too. But yes, there should be more killing and there should be more sex because that's what vampirism and that whole thing is is based on, you know? That mythology is very much entwined with that. Well, it's all about penetration of bodies in exchange of bodily fluids. And yeah, Bram you, Stoker, all right. Even when you kill them, you penetrate them with a stake. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of poking and prodding. There's a lot of poking and prodding, and there's and in Twilight you have to get married before you do any of it. <laughs> well, that it's because it's a Mormon vampire story, but um, yeah, True Blood's fun. I think we we started dropping off because it just it stopped being enjoyably campy as much as it was just like this is getting kind of bad. Well, if. And I'll still watch through the end, but I don't know if I'll enjoy it as much as I enjoyed the first couple seasons. uh, It's it's hard for a so bad it's good show to to really be enjoyable in the mythologizing. Like at the end of True Blood, there's a lot of expanding on the mythology of what vampires are. And fairies and werewolves and like... And we're panthers. I mean, everyone gets involved. And every addition they make to the world can only make it more stupid. And it it does get past a point where you're, you're not... You lose sight, you lose even the thread of the characters that you liked and stuff. Uh, kind of a it's, Game it's, of Thrones problem. Yeah, and, and it's almost as if the show is buying its own bullshit. Like, it thinks you're actually interested in what's going on with Lilith or whatever. It's like, no, I just want to see Bill be sassy and, and Eric be sassy. And they never stop that. Yet be sassy. But, I mean, I will say the acting is very good. It, you know... Sometimes they're asked to do stupid, ridiculous things, <laughs> yeah. but they take it seriously. Oh, everyone is given a hundred. You know, um, Alexander Skarsgård is wonderful. Um, Who's that guy who plays Sam? His name is also Sam. Sam something. Quantin? Nope. Ryan, no. Ryan Quantin is Who's Jason, Jason Stackhouse. Stackhouse. And he's wonderful. Stephen Moyer, who's Bill, is wonderful. Lafayette, rest in peace. Nelson Ellis, he's amazing in it. I wish we had more performances from him. Um, 
Trammel. Sam Trammel. Sam Trammel. He's so underrated, he, b- both as a character in the show, because I think the show forgets about him sometimes, and as an actor. Well, he's just the least hunky of like the many guys. Still who are very around. handsome. Yeah. But, and we see his butt probably the most. Well, yeah, he's a shapeshifter. He's so. always running around with his butt out. But he, he's, at, at different times, he's played different characters, including a woman, and he does it so well. People are always either shapeshifting into Sam or taking, possessing his body or... I think it's just an excuse to get him to be playing these other parts because he's very good at it. He does his little, the guy, he does the actor who plays his little brother... Like I thought, yeah, I thought that the voice was dubbed in because it was that solid. Um, And we saw him actually, uh, Sam Trammell, in in a movie with Daniel Radcliffe. What's the name of the movie? Dominion? Something like that, where he plays... Imperium? Yeah, he plays, spoiler alert, like a white supremacist, and you don't expect it because he's so charismatic, so charming. It's it's not a spoiler alert that he's a white supremacist because you know that the first time you meet him. But you think he's like an okay g- yes, white supremacist? The yes. spoiler alert is that he's the, the, the bad white supremacist. Right, he's the big bad. Um, so yeah, underrated actor. And I think there's a lot of underrated actors on that show. But um, yeah, yeah, it just got real, real dumb at some point. You know, I think... It even started for, to forget about what it was, which was a vampire romance. We lost most of the romance for like a season and a half. Yeah, I don't know if it ever. I, I don't. I, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know how much of what comes back is compelling either. Right. Exactly. Because it's a vampire romance. It's like starting Twilight. Because at least you know you have that romance to get invested in that's what it's presented as is for you to get invested in it. And then at like the third book, they just go off and join the the wolf group, the wolf pack, and then just never return to the romance part. Like it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't do that. So it's weird that the, the show uh, true blood did this, but I think it's worth giving, you know, the first few seasons a watch. Um, the, Dennis the- O'Hare from American horror story is a wonder. He is, macerating the scenery as this uh, vampire king, Uh, Russell. There's not a prop left unchewed. Yes, but he's incredible. He's wonderful. So if anything, watch him. That, Russell Edgington in True Blood is an all-time TV performance, I think. All-time character, all-time performance, yeah. Um, So that's True Blood, but but, uh, uh, Carrie, famously (laughs) one of your favorite things of all time is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Famously, yes. Very different rules for vampires. And vampires always seem to get different rules around where they're from and what they even are. Oh, yeah. And, and, and Twilight and, and pretty much any vampire media, unless they're going super standard, they always want to give a little little twist to it. What are their you know weaknesses? So wh- what, are your, what are your favorite vampire rules? What's your default vampire? Is it, is it a Dracula? I think it's probably closer to a Buffy vampire, but like I like the can't be in sunlight thing. Yeah, need that. Um, and that's there in Dracula. I like I the having right. to drink blood to live thing. I think that's because necessary. I think a lot of things try to get away from that. They really do. But it's like, no, we want them biting humans because that's what they do. Um, I love. What do I love? I love having to put a stake through the heart or beheading. Mm. That'll do it in a pinch. Silver. Mm. 
Yeah, well, I like I like the idea of like crosses and stuff being so religious oh. iconography. Yeah, because that's so intrinsically part of vampire lore. Again, back to the Stoker. Yeah, I think having to well, doesn't he have like a cross? Doesn't in the movie doesn't Dracula have like a big metal shaped like a cross on his uh, little shirt? Uh, I guess I I think the having to sleep in a coffin or sleep on dirt from your homeland or whatever. Very cool. I I don't love that as much because I think it can be story-wise very limiting. But it feels so... F- that is one that feels folklore and probably does stem from the yes. like I think Eastern as a, European folklore. Yes. As a narrative device, it's very limiting to what the, the character, the vampire character can do. And, you know... In True Blood, they always have to go back home and get underground because they have to go to sleep, you know. Um, I like the idea that, you know, they're just like, well, I can't go outside, but I'll just hang out. But Bill Compton doesn't need, like, the Mississippi soil. No, but uh, what we do in the shadows does. Yes, they do. And and that's from Dracula. So, yeah. um, Dracula, I think, brings his whole coffin with him, ships it over. I, you know, I, I actually prefer just a regular face. Rather than shifting into a face like on Buffy oh, or... the Buffy vampire face <laughs> is pretty dumb. Well, I mean, you can't blame the effects. Oh, no, I'm not. Because 90s... Tele- actually, for 90s television, I think the prosthetics are, are fine. I think it was a choice to make the vampires more obviously bad. But, again, narratively, I think it's more interesting to just have the fangs. I yeah. don't like it when the fangs are weird. I don't like it when there's no fangs. I like having the fangs. Do you want the fangs out, or in True Blood they they click out and it's almost like an erection, <laughs> like when like when the vampires get horny or mad, the vamp the fangs go click. You know that I'm okay with like popping out, but I don't like a little foley. I don't like a clink, like think, like you're flicking a bick. I think on True Blood they do. It's weird for sure, and it's comical, but they end up using it for good comic effect sometimes and for good dramatic. Oh effect yeah, when sometimes. they're like horny for blood. Yeah, click. Yeah. And they get embarrassed or whatever. And obviously they're making it kind of a sexual metaphor there, which is fine because vampirism is sort of a sexual metaphor. But that's yeah. what I was going to say about the um, Buffy vampire face. Vampires are like seductive. Vampires are seductive. Yeah. Like they're seductive monsters. They're sexy. They're not supposed to look like I guess demons. the point is they can sort of keep it in until the the actual moment when they're going to bite and then it doesn't matter how sexy they are anymore. Um, but I do prefer just a regular face, pale and gaunt, it can be, but regular face. I like the fangs. So in a vampire, a long skinny is okay. Yes, I think it's narrative limiting, narratively limiting to have the fangs out all the time because then they'll be obvious and people will know who they are and that they're vampires and a lot of the intrigue is finding out this person's a vampire um but yeah i like i like a regular face no morphing i don't like sparkles um no, and that's the sparkles not just i'm not just ragging on twilight to rag on twilight like there's no other there's th- just no point to it to th- me make it that he burns up in the sun don't make him sparkle come on it, it's incredible <laughs> i don't know why that changes it's also more me. fairy than it is vampire yes which, uh, we've talked about this, right? There's a lot of elements of that. That is more, yeah. The the Twilight vampires are much more in line with the fae folklore than they are with actual vampire folklore. They seem to, I don't know if this is from the book or just the silly, silly movies. Not, the books aren't silly. Um, but they, like, turn into stone well, when they die. Yeah, well, they're basically stone the whole time. 
like okay. their texture changes. There's a, there's a lot that I don't like about the mythology of the Twilight vampires. I think there's some interesting elements that she pulled into it, but some of the things that were incorporated just makes no sense to me. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but uh, could you very quickly share with our listeners how Edward had one in the chamber and that's why he got uh, <laughs> Bella pregnant? I guess I just shared it. Okay, but it's important. So <laughs> I came across a TikTok, okay? And apparently there's a bunch of Twilight lore that is not described in the books and it is not described in the movies, but is shared in like the illustrated guide or whatever. So it's very similar to a star Wars situation. It's very similar to JK Rowling getting on Twitter and saying wizards used to disapparate their shit. Yeah. Among other things out of she their says robes. on Twitter. Well, yeah. Um, that was the best thing she said on Twitter. <laughs> yes. So, Oh yeah. So yes. Wizards used to shit on the floor of Hogwarts and then disapparate it. Um, well, vanish it. If you didn't know that friends, now, you know, So the Twilight piece of mythology is that, so everyone was wondering, how could Edward, a vampire, get Bella, a human, pregnant? Because vampires are dead dead and aren't supposed to, like, they've never gotten anyone pregnant except in these rare uh, vampire-to-human times. But even, like, vampires banging humans, they're not always going to get pregnant. Now, I don't know where... In the illustrated guide, I don't think it says it in these words. I think there's inferences, but basically, Edward is turned into a vampire when he's like 19, 18 or 19 or 17. He's a teenager. He's, a, he's an older teenager boy. When it would have been appropriate for him to be in high school. Yes. In the early 1900s, he has influenza, I think, and Carlisle, the doctor vampire, turns him when he's dying. So... The premise is how did vamp- how did vampire Edward get Bella pregnant? And apparently he because he's famously a vampire virgin. After he turns into a vampire, he never bangs until he marries Bella and they have sacred marital sex. And also doesn't masturbate. Well, apparently, because it, I don't even know how to say this. I, he, I he, had never, he had never discharged his fluids in that way, even from his death. And so, like you said, Sean, he literally still had one in the chamber that was like his original human sperm. And so when he finally had sex and, and uh, you know, did that for the first time ever, including masturbation... Um, he got Bella pregnant because he had one in the chamber from his human years over a century before, like a puff of dust. I don't like that mythology. <laughs> <laughs> um, we got to go to a break pretty soon. We're getting long on time. Long in the tooth here, this show. Um, the vampire tooth. But I wanted to say one more thing. I just don't like, I, I really don't like that in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, they're not vampire. They're not vampires they're demon they're demons. possessions yes well i think I, and they they talk about that they talk about the demon inside of the vampire and how it has taken over this original personality um and it's actually kind of a frightening concept of like you're dead but your soul is ravaged by this demon so you know it's a different take on vampires i think they still go by a lot of lore really well but yeah you know if you want it to be classic Dracula vampires and Dracula does show up in Buffy. But if you want it to be those classic guys and not demons in, in any sense, you know, 
You're missing out. Dracula shows up in Spider-Man. He shows up everywhere. He's out. He's copyright free. No, oh, he's he's out and ready to party. He's here. He's queer. Get used to it. <laughs> We've been used to it. Um, my favorite take on vampires might be the uh, Joe Pitt case books, the Charlie uh, Houston novels that uh, listeners might not know about. But if you don't, uh, maybe give them a look because that gives it a... It's kind of a gritty noir, it is a, modern noir take. Yeah, he always writes these neo-noir, very violent crime fiction stories. And this just takes the main character and makes him a vampire so he can take like a ridiculous amount of punishment before the third act and uh he does uh, acquire permanent injuries <laughs> over the course of the uh series because he's not supernatural he just uh has a virus in him that uh needs him to eat to drink blood and so, so that's different yeah he doesn't have fangs uh he so you like that but you don't like demons i don't like the demon thing no i think it's just because it's buffy no i like buffy i think you're being fussy i don't because the more supernatural you make it the less i'm gonna like it i like that the vampires are of are of this world hmm well that's weird well i don't like that they're of like in our world <laughs> okay all right. I, I, wa- I wanted to talk about uh, uh, zombie rules and werewolf rules, but we can save that for another podcast, uh, mm-hmm. because for now, I think we're going to hit a break, and then uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to play a little game. Oh, boy. Okay. Ohio is a land of mystery. From missing shipwrecks and lost treasure beneath her surface to strange phenomenon slicing through her skies. From myths that have evolved around historic events and people to the unsolved murders and disappearances that keep her communities wondering what happened. Find Ohio Mysteries on your favorite podcast app and let's explore the inexplicable. OhioMysteries.com Welcome back. Carrie, I promised we were going to play a game. Uh, this show... Do you want to play a game? Do you want to play a game? <laughs> this show is um, squarely in the uh, explicit category on iTunes and, and other oh, uh, God, uh, things. what are you going to do? Well, I was just going to say, we don't, we don't curse that much, but we're going to use the F word... Uh, we're going to use the F word in this segment because oh. we're going to play a game... Uh, that our listeners will have heard of before. It's a game called Fuck, Mary Kill. Oh, Jesus. Okay. And we're going to play Fuck, Mary Kill with notable characters from the Ain't It Scary podcast. I have taken pains to make sure there's no living person, no living non-fictional person on this list. Okay. And we're just I'm just going to present three figures who have been discussed on this podcast. Okay. And you must, in this scenario... Uh, have intercourse with one of them, marry another one, and kill the third one. And you have to decide which you, which how you would assign those things. Okay. Am I? Are you doing this too? Yeah, sure. I'll I'll give my answers. Sure. Okay. I I I tended toward male selections here because uh, you were the contestant, but I'll I'll give my thoughts. Absolutely happy uh, to. Good, because I I require that. Okay. So, uh, again, the game is fuck, marry, kill. Mm-hmm. And uh, for our first uh, for our first round here, let's go with the Leatherman. Oh Jesus! The headless horseman of Canton, <laughs> and 
and the Melonheads. It's a uh, it's an ain't it scary premiere special. Okay, okay. I'm gonna eliminate the Melonheads just because I feel like there might be something like medically going on there that I don't want to interfere with. And so you think they should be removed from the earth for that? No, I just don't want to have romantic relations with them. Okay, I mean, that's your conception of the Melonheads. It's not mine. Okay, um, I think I will... I think I will marry the leather man. Okay. Because he's mostly traveling. Uh Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're not even going to really see him that much. Yeah. I mean, I can come on his travels if I want to, but if not, I'll be like, see you later. And you know what? He kept a really tight schedule with that loop. So you would always know where to find him if you needed him. Exactly. Um, And I will uh, lay down with the headless horseman of Canton. Um, He has no head. So, you know, we don't have to worry about awkward conversation. Um, And he's he's a horseman. He's never had any complaints. He's a horseman. He's athletic. Um, You know, he might have stuff going on in other departments that don't include the cranium. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would I would go exactly the same way. I think you've got it right on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, whatever is going on with the melon heads uh, is not good. Right. It's, and I probably don't want to be anywhere near it. Um, the Headless Horseman is probably a good time, but really a, a, a fly-by-night or a ride-by-night, if you will, kind of an experience. And I think the Leatherman would be tender. I think he's had a hard <laughs> yeah. life. And uh, uh, I, I believe there were hints of lost love in his past. So, mm. so I think he'd be eager to rekindle that. Okay. Um, okay, so up next we have some some sexy men of mystery characters, <laughs> and uh, and so kiss, date, or eliminate. <laughs> okay, that works. The Watcher from the Watcher House. Yep. Okay. DB Cooper. Okay. And the Somerton Man. So all three of these people have no confirmed identity. You get you you only have the contours of the story to work with. To figure out uh, uh, what you'd like to do with each of these fellas. Okay, well, I'm going to kill the Watcher because whoever the Watcher is, they're creepy. And I've been stalked before. I don't need to go through that again. So they're out. Um, <sighs> D.B. Cooper or... You remember Sorry. the Summerton man, right? Yeah. And I think uh, we talked about it recently and I don't remember the name. Uh, I would just say the Frank. The, I would I would say Frank Turner if you ask me now, and he's definitely a singer songwriter. <laughs> so, um, but uh, recently they did. I think they did uncover this man's identity. But I'll say marry the Summerton man and um, take a little ride with DB Cooper. I think he's very dashing and and exciting, but he's probably not someone you want to depend on i think this is exactly right db cooper is exciting exciting is the word isn't it mm-hmm. uh he's you know who you knows don't, you don't have to take the shades off who knows what you're gonna get up to with that guy but he is a risk taker and he might not be uh long-term partnership material is that a bomb in your briefcase or are you just happy to see me yeah all those stewardesses were ready to uh to they seemed fairly charmed by him very charmed so if you're charmed by your hijacker you probably got some game pretty fuckable guy yeah Okay. And uh, Mary the Somerton Man, of course, um, he was, the only thing we definitely know about him, I think, is that he was involved in in a a years-long beautiful romance that I've made up. Yeah, you made that up. But um, he seems like a solid guy. 
Yeah, good, nice guy. Good, <laughs> I don't good, know. good taste in shoes and, and coats. Yeah. Um, okay. Up next, Bigfoot. Wow. Okay. That's right. The Sasquatch himself, the Mothman, mm. the Loch Ness monster, old Nessie. Okay, we're gonna kill Nessie because that's too unhuman, subhuman. Like that's subhuman, not subhuman. That's yes. judgmental. Inhuman. That's too. That's like a. That's like a dino. That would be like banging a dinosaur. Inhuman. You mean like she bathed in the pterogen mists of the moon? No, like she's a dinosaur in the water. <laughs> I was thinking of King Black Bolt and his Inhumans. <laughs> um, I would say Mary Bigfoot. He seems like a provider. He seems like I like a tall, furry guy. Okay. <laughs> you do. He he you likes do. nature. He's very easily he's kind of mysterious, but he seems like just kind of a goober too. He's always just loping around. Um, he seemed, you know, whatever. I'm I'm here for it. And then, um, you know, hang out with the Mothman. Um, canonically, they have a great ass, <laughs> according that- to the the statue of the Mothman in Point Pleasant. <laughs> And they have was... a sculpted ass. <laughs> well, literally. Um, and yeah, it's one of those situations where they're just going to pop up. They're going to tell you something bad's about to happen, but uh, they'll let it. They'll help it go down smooth. Thank you for not presuming gender on the Mothman, by the way. Yeah, they're really a moth day. They are a moth day. That's that's a that's a t-shirt. <laughs> stop fat shaming Bigfoot, and on the back, stop misgendering Mothman. Stop misgendering Mothman. Um. Yeah, I think I'd kill him, though, because he's weird. Really? Yeah, and I, I agree with you about marrying Bigfoot, though. I think that's... Actually, no, hold on. I've got this all wrong. Uh, unfortunately, I'm going to have to kill Bigfoot. Wow. Because I know the rewards for a Bigfoot corpse will be I- extraordinary. They'll be the same for a Nessie or a Mothman. Here's the thing. I'm marrying the Mothman because he can see the future. Or mm. they, I'm sorry. At least disaster, which is what you want to know about the, anyway. They can see the future, and I think that's a real quality in a long-term partner that you want to mm. look for. Mm-hmm. And um, Nessie? Well, it's a lady, so that helps you. Yeah, and all that undulating in the water. I see what <sighs> you're doing, girl. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Back it up, Nessie. <sighs> Uh, okay, a royal threesome for this next. Uh, okay, you, you, not a threesome for you. You only get to pick one of them. <laughs> Trust me, I don't think I'm going to be begging for more than one. Um, yeah, you're probably right. Uh, there's several problems with all of these fellas. Uh, Carrie, you have the choice between Henry the Eighth, oh God, Louis the Sixteenth, and King Tutankhamun. Okay, so 16th was the one married to Marie Antoinette? Yeah. So he wasn't the one with the fistula? No, he gave... That's important. He's the one who gave design notes on the guillotine. And then got his head cut off by the guillotine. Okay, okay, okay. I am... I'm going to kill Louis. You're going to kill Louis the 16th? Kill or be killed, baby. Well, listen... His people already already got there for uh, for you, so. Right. I'm going to marry Tutankhamun because um, he died young, so I don't have to deal with him. Okay. At this point, I think it's important to tell you, this is the Henry VIII we see in portraits. This is... Yeah, yeah I know, I know. But... This is not I young... Know, I know I can't marry him. It's, it's not... Because that's too much of a risk. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, his wives don't have a good track record. But, you know, 
<laughs> Just not it's much better than getting of, my head cut off. Not much in the way of choices. So wait, you're going with Toot Ankamun be, uh, as your husband because he's going to die young? Well, yeah, and also he seemed fine. Seems he like, had like medical problems, but he didn't seem like a monster. He kind of he got he might have gotten murdered, but he, he went along with uh, what the people around him wanted. It he, seems he was like. nine when be, he became king. Hey, you want me to be uh, named this? You want me to be named that? Whatever you want, whatever you need. Tut it up, Tut Ank Aten. Plus, he had a hell of a a sense for design. Yes, you're right. Oh God, can you imagine your kitchen? Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, up next, a trio that is... Wait, well, who would you pick? Oh, uh, I think Henry VIII is gross. Henry, he is. Henry he VIII is. had that, like, sex bed that he made. Remember this, like, special sex couch so he could just lay in one place and they would just kind of position the woman on top of him? He also had a, a stinking leg. Yeah. Okay. But again, it's it's better to be it's better to be friends with the devil than on... The devil's hit list. So here's what I think you do. I think you marry Tutankhamun. Yes. Um, but not because he's going to die. I think that all... Not ha- necessarily. I'm, he's just the least objectionable from with, what we know. With my knowledge of modern medicine, I'm going to save his life. And oh. and then I will be, you know, really in a nice position in the Egy- Egyptian empire. Mm. Uh, meanwhile, Louis Sixteenth, um, you him, know... Him and Marie Antoinette didn't even have sex for the first, like, eight years of their marriage. So well, you s- probably wouldn't have to worry about it that much. Well, I I actually think for me he might actually be be a little more interested oh, than these other two fellas. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but I think the pillow talk would be extraordinary because uh, he was just fascinated by little machines and things. That's why he was oh, so interested. You guys in the would guillotine. never shut up. Yeah, so we could just talk about uh, you know um, simple machines, levers <laughs> and pulleys and such. Uh huh. And that would be nice. Okay. So uh, yeah, good time. I don't, you don't want to marry either of those uh, European no. kings. There. No, 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 no. Bad no. ends for their wives. Um, so, a trio that is out of this world, Carrie. Mm. Orthon of Venus, Valiant Thor, and John Titor. Well, the thing about Orthon and Valiant Thor is that they're so similar. They are very similar. They're both like Nordic aliens. Yes, they are both Nordic aliens. Well, actually, Valiant, uh, uh, Orthon had Asiatic features, I think is the way they were described by Adamski. Hmm. He had the features of an, of an Asian human being. But flowing blonde hair. Okay. I'm going to kill John Teeter because it was probably someone trolling and that seems like something I don't want to deal with. So you feel like you're off the hook. Yeah. And then it's really... I feel... Okay, Valiant Thor, I feel like, is very steadfast. He stuck around for a long time. He cared about the good of America. Yep. And the world. So I'll marry him. And Orthon of Venus is like that to a lesser extent. And so, and he's just like, you know, zipping in, zipping out. So I'll be like a, a late night booty call for Orthon of Venus. Sure. Uh, I, I think the late night booty call potential of Orthon is spot on. That's amazing. <laughs> he'll whisk you away for a trip to his home world. And mm-hmm. then he'll, you won't see him for a few years. Yeah. And, and that'll be fine. Um, with Valiant Thor, you're also cozying up to the highest levels of government mm. because of his position at the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. So I think that is a pretty nice side benefit to marrying. Valiant well, if you Thor. want that benefit, I think I could probably do some good. Yeah, so so that's great. And then you're right, John Teeter is fictional. So <laughs> well, unlike yeah. we don't know, we don't know. So you're saying unlike these other two men, Orthon yes. of Venus and Valiant Thor. This yeah, but he's not real though. John Teeter's fictional. So. <laughs> And uh, for my last one, I'm just going to call this the gross round. That? We haven't done that yet? Nope. Great. So, 
and remember, the game is fuck, marry, kill. Sorry, the game is date, kiss, uh, eliminate, eliminate. <laughs> um, and your choices are Count von Cosell. Oh God. Tarar. Oh God. And Chipe Totec. Oh God. The uh, the ancient uh, Aztec fertility god. They weren't ancient. The Aztec fertility god. All right, hear me out. Kill Tarar. You're going to kill... It's just too much. It's too much. (laughs) I don't want to get eaten in my sleep. It's too much. He's too gross. Coming into physical contact with Tarar is dangerous. I'll marry Cosell. Okay. Because... He will be a devoted husband. I don't necessarily have to kiss him and i'm afraid of what diseases he might pass on to me if i were to do that but you don't want to kill him not versus oh sorry you're killing Tarar. Tarar. yeah um i think yeah he's devoted he's devoted he's very devoted um, long after you're dead he will be devoted to you and then you know chipotokatek is a fertility god um yeah more in the sense of like growing corn and stuff but yeah well, you know i don't know feels like he might have a few tricks up his sleeve he is you remember that he is dressed in flayed human skin, right? Well, when you're banging, you're not dressed in anything, so I don't have to worry about that. Well, no, but he is also at all times flaying himself to feed the Aztec people. I'd distract him for a bit. <laughs> Why don't you put that knife down, honey? <laughs> there you have it. Um, you know, I think... I don't know. This is a really tough... This is a really tough slate. Um, I but I think I would like to find a way to marry Chippe Totec. Well, you just love him. I do. He's he's so he, he's sweet. Mm. Look, hey, listener, if you didn't do this during our human sacrifice episode, please look up a statue of Chippe Totec. <laughs> he's not sweet. Look how cute you can see little uh, Mothman. Really does have a, a a thick ass in that statue, but this guy is not sweet in his statue. I'm just letting you know. No, he looks like a little boy with like little little uh, sort of uh, balls or something all over his shirt. And what those are is the um, go on bubbles of human fat inside of a flayed skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's sweet. So it's so it's cute. Ew. Okay, so that'll do it for uh, the ain't it scary edition of God. I hope so. Fuck Mary Kill. You didn't do like John F. Kennedy, you know, like no, I didn't want to do anyone. Like Edgar Allan Poe. The, the only Edgar Allan Poe would have been far back enough, but I was like Poe, Lovecraft, and then who's the third guy? Stephen King. No, but he's still he's a living he's person. Alive, yeah. Okay. I, so, I mean, I respect it. You know? I respect it. True terrors of horror bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, 
where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there. It's true crime time. Huge crime news to report on this week. A suspect has finally been arrested in the Long Island serial killings case, also known as the Gilgo Beach Murders. This is very close to home for Caroline. Yes, we've mentioned... Or close to dorm. <laughs> yes, we've mentioned this case here and there in the past, and we'll definitely cover it in depth in the future, especially if this leads to a conviction, but... As Sean said, this case uh, hits particularly close to home for me. I was attending college nearby, um, nearby the Gilgo Beach area in Long Island, New York, when the first bodies were discovered near the beach in 2010. And as the story unfolded, I had the strange experience of pretty much seeing a major murder investigation unfold firsthand. As the case remained unsolved since then, it's always been one that's been on my mind, but perhaps we'll soon be getting a resolution. Now, for those who are unfamiliar, the Gilgo Beach serial killings case encompasses a series of murders between 1996 and 2011, in which the remains of up to 18 people, mostly women and sex workers, were uncovered in Gilgo Beach, located on the south shore of Long Island, New York. And the first question, right, was, well, how many people's victims are these? Exactly. Well, we'll get there. We'll get to speculation. Now, for those somewhat familiar with the area, Gilgo Beach is adjacent to Ocean Parkway and the famous Jones Beach, officially belonging to the town of Babylon. The area is popular with vacationers and especially those who are wealthy enough to afford beach homes. And that adds, of course, an extra level of intrigue to the discovery of the bodies. Many of those that were identified after their remains were discovered were found to be sex workers that had advertised on Craigslist. The first discoveries followed a search of the first discoveries followed a search of Shannon sorry. The first discoveries followed a search for Shannon Gilbert, a 24-year-old woman who disappeared in the area in May 2010 after fleeing from a John's home and making a long, confused and panicked emergency call to 911 insisting that they're trying to kill me. A body was found in the ensuing search in December of that year, but the story became even more convoluted as it turned out the remains were not those of Shannon, but of Melissa Bartholomew. Now that's awkward. Well, it's when unexpected. You're the, when you're the police and you go, oh, and there's another murder we didn't even yeah. know about. The bodies of three additional murder victims, Maureen Brainerd, Megan Waterman, and Amber Costello, were all subsequently found about 500 feet from each other. As the search ran into 2011, more bodies were found. Jessica Taylor, Valerie Mack, an unidentified female toddler, and an unidentified person of Asian ethnicity. 
partial remains of Jessica and Valerie had previously been found in Manorville years earlier in 2003 and 2000, respectively. Now, that unidentified person, they just couldn't tell their gender? Maybe they have a skull. Um, you can tell certain racial characteristics sometimes from the skull, but if there were no teeth or, you know, there, there are certain things that they check for uh, and they might not have been able to discern a sex. Because even if you have most, most of a skeleton, you can usually say man or woman, right? Right. Um, two more bodies were found after this, an unidentified woman whose partial remains had also been uncovered on Fire Island in 1996 and another unidentified woman with a distinctive peach tattoo that was later found to be the mother of the toddler whose remains had been found previously. In November 2011th, which was also a heady time during my senior year of college, local police announced that they believed that one person was responsible for all 10 murders and that the perpetrator was almost certainly from the area. Shannon Gilbert's remains were eventually found in December 2011, though the cause of her death has been contested, something we'll discuss during our future deep dive. Though the FBI joined the investigation in 2015 and one suspect was originally named in 2017, the case hasn't received much in the way of progression, at least as far as the public knew until just last week. Speculation has run wild in the last decade plus since the first bodies were discovered from agreement with police that the killer was a serial murderer living in the area to those who wondered if the killer could be involved with the police. And that's how they're keeping one step ahead of the breadline, so to speak. And there were even those who suggested that the area was simply a convenient dump site and was coincidentally the place where multiple killers decided to dispose of remains, including run-of-the-mill murderers and hitmen for local organized crime. Last Friday, the first official arrest was made in the case. 59-year-old architect Rex Hureman was detained following a raid at a Massapequa Park, New York property, directly north of where the first four bodies were found near Gilgo Beach in 2010. And yes, I woke up Friday morning to three separate people texting me the news, so I guess I've firm firmly established my brand. Hureman is the founder of RH Consultants and Associates, LLC, and is described in an online profile as having over 30 years of experience and having worked with major clients, including American Airlines. A source told the U.S. Sun that cops had been onto him for a while before making their arrest, which tracks... Hewerman had apparently been on police radar since phone calls made from burner phones to the cell phones of some of the victims were tracked to locations matching his home and office addresses. And because this is Long Island we're talking about, a Baldwin had to weigh in. Billy Baldwin, of course. Oh, thank God. The second youngest Baldwin brother, and yes, this is a relative of Alec and Stephen, tweeted that he had attended high school with Hewerman and explained... Woke up this morning to learn that the Gilgo Beach serial killer suspect was my high school classmate Rex Hewerman. Average guy, quiet family man. And he also added, mind-boggling, Massapequa is in shock. Thanks for that uh, coverage. I was almost at Alec. <laughs> well, yeah. Billy. Many more dribs and drabs of news relating to Hewerman has hit the media in the days since his arrest. His wife, Asa Ellerup, filed for divorce earlier just today. Well, yeah, now's the time. Yeah. Some have speculated whether Asa knew what her husband had done, if he is guilty, of course, and whether she may have assisted. 
In a statement shortly after Huberman's arrest, defense attorney Michael Brown referred to the suspect as a loving husband and said that he and Ellerup had been married more than 25 years. According to court documents, the crimes were tied to Asa before eventually leading to her husband, thanks to forensic evidence. Quote, a female hair was discovered on a belt used to tie Brainerd Barnes's legs together, while two female hairs were discovered on Waterman, one on the tape used to bind her body, and one female hair was found on a piece of tape used to bind Costello's body. By using mitochondrial DNA testing not available in 2010, all of the hairs were, con- were determined to be from the same woman, with more than a 99% match for Hureman's wife, Asa, according to the court documents. Police don't believe she was involved as she was out of the country when the killings occurred, according to cell phone records, but uh, Hewerman had the hairs from his wife on his body and then transferred it to the bodies that he disposed of. Or in his car, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mitochondrial DNA testing was also done on a single male hair found on the burlap used to wrap Waterman's body, which was found to be a match for leftover pizza Hewerman threw into a Manhattan garbage can in January. Um, so they... This is a very Long Island story. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, as Chevrolet Aval- Avalanche registered in Hureman's name had also been linked to one of the killings by a witness. Quote, Through June 2023, an email account linked to the suspect had conducted online searches of the investigation's progress. Court records also indicated that he had searched the internet for sadistic materials, child pornography, and images of the victims and their relatives. Apparently, Hureman has been an obvious creep for quite a while. One woman on TikTok shared her story this week of going on a date with a suspected murderer in Port Jefferson, New York, sometime between 2014 and 2016, uh, which is when I was in Port Jeff a lot. So maybe we were at the same restaurant together. Did she say she figured out that he was married? Well, he asked her, do you like true crime? And do you know anything about the Gilgo Beach killer? And then during the date, Hureman started spouting off knowledge about the specific Long Island serial killer case, including, according to the TikToker, information about a body that wasn't announced on the news at that time. The poster added, it was not just him. There were other people involved. He is taking the fall, though, I think, for all of them. Pretty crazy story. And uh, no, he did not say he was married, but I think he said enough. Rex Hureman has so far been charged with three counts of first-degree murder and three counts of second-degree murder in the deaths of Melissa Bartholomew, Megan Waterman, and Amber Costello. He is also the prime suspect in the death of Maureen Brainerd Barnes. Hureman pled not guilty to the charges in court on Friday and remains in custody without bail. What? Don't worry. They don't track locations on these things. That's why they call it a burner phone. Stay safe out there, people. Hopefully, we get some resolution in this Long and tragic case. Now, this this Gilgo guy is a real dildo. Okay. That's it for this episode of Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Ain't It Scary and check out our website at ain'titscary.com. You can support the show by supporting our sponsors and becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash ain'titscary. You can call us and leave a message at our Google Voice number, 203-666-5529. And please subscribe to the show and throw us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and also now on Spotify. We'll be forever grateful.
We certainly will. And special thanks again to those of you already joining us on Patreon. And and again, guys, get at me on Discord if you're playing Diablo 4. <laughs> Nate Curtis, Sean O'Donnell, Jared Chamberlain, Maria Ferrante, Robin McCabe, Comfy Mike, Alex Nakutis, Ryan Regan, Christy Atchison, Kate Pope, Haley, Olsey, Sean Downs, Ryan, Enrique, and Derek. Uh, Sean, if you want us to stop, you want me to stop doing that accent, <laughs> tell me. Thank you, guys. We love you all very much. See you next Thursday. Show created by Sean and Carrie McCabe. Music by Kyle Ryan. You can find Kyle at his YouTube channel, Music is a Verb. Ain't It Scary has been brought to you by Killer Podcasts and is a production of Longboy Media. I'm Richard Serrett. Join me on Strange Planet for in-depth conversations with the world's top paranormal investigators, alien abductees, Bigfoot trackers, monster hunters, time travelers, alternative archaeologists, remote viewers, and more. As I was on the way to Area 51, I was stopping on the side of the road and just taking measurements, and I found this one spot where time slowed down by a fraction of a second. It's not supposed to do that. From the two big categories, animal mutilations and human abductions, you have to conclude that genetic material is being harvested. Well, I reached for a rifle and uh, I, I turned and looked and it was, it was already moving away and it was descending the bluff. Uh, there's no way any human could have went down it. It was probably a 75 degree angle straight down almost. On Richard Serrett's Strange Planet, we're redefining reality. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Do not go any further. Turn around. Go home.